the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. On AM 1420, The Answer. It is indeed, and hour number two is now underway at nine minutes past ten o'clock on AM 1420, The Answer. Good Friday to you, the 30th and final morning of the month of November in the year of our Lord, 2018. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks again to uh, Dave Zanotti and Rob Walgate of the Public Square Broadcast Network and uh, the AP Roundtable, Ohio Roundtable. Really looking forward to Christmas in America. Just to hit it again, thepublicsquare.com, thepublicsquare.com. Check that out and click the Events tab to get your tickets for Christmas in America one week from tomorrow. I am very much looking forward to it out in Medina. All right, joining us now, as promised, a little later than normal because of his uh, daily schedule, and also a week later than normal. We did not talk to Congressman Renacci as uh, we celebrated Thanksgiving yesterday, or last week, I should say, Thursday and Friday, uh, with a couple of uh, best of shows. So it's been a little while since we've touched base with the congressman from our 16th congressional district, Jim uh, Renacci. Thanks, thanks so much for the time. How are you this morning, sir? Good, Bob. How are you this morning? I'm good. Did you have a nice holiday? I did, and I uh, was able to enjoy it with my family, as uh, always, so it uh, always makes it very special. Yeah, it certainly does. It's uh, just a fantastic time of the year. So, Congressman, what a busy time for you, too. Uh, first of all, that the you know the current Congress is, of course, in lame duck status. Uh, there are just a few weeks left to get some things done because of uh, you know the changeover at the beginning of the year. Uh, but for you, it's also just your last few weeks in Congress, period, uh, because, of course, you gave up your seat. You were going to run for governor. Uh, you chose to uh, answer the call of the president and the White House to run for the Senate instead. So you're done in Washington. Um, so before we talk about what work you have to get done in the next couple of weeks or in the next few weeks until uh, uh, the, the current Congress, can you tell us about your plans after that? You know, Bob, I really uh, am just winding down, trying to get a few things done. We were able to get the Larry Doby bill finalized uh, yesterday in the Senate, uh, trying to wrap some things up in Congress, and then we'll start to look to the future. Uh, for me, I put my heart and soul into that election through the end of November, 
Uh, and then, of course, I had uh, congressional duties the week after. Then it was Thanksgiving. So I haven't had a lot of time to think. I was assuming I was going to be the next senator and planning on being the next senator. So uh, mm-hmm. now I'll have to spend some time deciding on what next. But I will say this. I've, uh, I've got 28 years in business and eight years now here at a broken system. I've learned a tremendous amount about our federal government. I've learned a lot about our state government and the problems there, too. I have a lot of, uh, as somebody told me, equity that I need to be able to use. And no matter what I do, I'm going to make sure I do it at the benefit of the great state of Ohio that has done uh, so much for me over the years, uh, taking me from a poor kid uh, from uh, uh, to living the American dream. So I'll never forget Ohio and the people of Ohio, and I'm going to make sure that I give back to Ohio. And, of course, that's where my family and uh, children are as well. You know, um, when you made the uh, decision uh, to to leave Washington, you know, to run for governor originally, you talked about how broken it is and how, you know, there's there's only a certain amount that you can do and a certain amount that somebody in Congress can really, uh, you know, uh, th- they can handle. Quite frankly, given the you know the obstacles to getting a lot of things done there, and you felt like your time there was done. Um, having said all of that, do you do you think you're going to miss it? Uh, because you've been doing this for the last eight years, as you said, and you've made that journey back and forth from your district to, to D.C. for eight years. Uh, it's been your home, or at least half of your home anyway. Uh, you going to miss it? Well, I'm going to miss some of the people. I'm not going to miss the process and the procedures. Look, it is broken. It's going to get even worse now. Uh, we spent, I said this yesterday, it's sad that I spent so many times listening to Speaker Boehner and Speaker Ryan say, we can't do this because we'll use the, lose the majority. We can't do that because we'll lose the majority. Guess what? We didn't do anything, and we lost the majority. And that's the frustrating thing for me. We did get a tax bill passed, but so many things need to be done down here. Immigration, you know, infrastructure, all those things that need to be done that we've been talking about for eight years didn't get done because there was the fear of losing the majority and even debt spending and deficit spending, which is something I'm not going to give up on we are we're going to head into some tremendous debts and deficits but we didn't fix our spending either and it was always because you lose the majority if you put people in jeopardy well guess what we didn't put people in jeopardy and we still lost the majority if i have to give nancy pelosi some credit during her previous term as speaker she was willing to lose the majority to get things done which is why we have the affordable care act which is bad which is why we have dodd frank which is bad she was willing to lose the majority to get things done. We were not willing to lose the majority. And now uh, Congress will be in the minority with Nancy Pelosi, most likely the Speaker. Again. We're talking to Congressman Jim Renacci uh, this morning on AM 1420, The Answer. Um, to, to, the end, to that end, I should say, about um, uh, the spending. You know, that's, that's the one thing that the president has not really... Well, you you pointed out correctly, I think, that the Congress hasn't gotten enough things done. Uh, so the president, of course, is sometimes at the mercy of the Congress in terms of, you know, controlling the purse strings. Um, but the president, the president, uh, has done a lot. The tax bill being passed, as he said, he kind of shepherded it through the, the legislature and, and the economy is humming along unemployment. We know about all those good things, but you're right. The, the growth of the deficit and the debt has been something that has got to be a, a very great concern to the president in the next two years, and it should be to anybody with any kind of fiscal sanity in Congress, whether the Republicans are in the majority or the Democrats are in the majority. Is there any reason to believe whatsoever that the spending will get under control with Nancy Pelosi's uh, 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 group in power in the House uh, and working with the president? I I doubt it, uh, because as I said many times on my campaign, 
uh, career politicians are only worried about the next election, not the next generation. Our spending is now to a point where 70% of it's Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, and interest, 15% of it's uh, military, 50% everything else. Nobody wants to touch the drivers, which are Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, and interest, which used to be 30% of our spending. Now it's 70% of our spending. So these are the things that people have to start looking at. And look, it's a demographic problem. We have so many more people, so many more baby boomers aging out, and nobody wants to reflect it uh, and discuss it. And why are billionaires and millionaires still collecting Social Security or Medicare benefits when they can afford their own? And, and these are the things I know people get frustrated, but everything has to be looked at. Everything has to be looked at because we are putting our children and grandchildren in a horrible situation with this debts and deficits. And, Bob, that's probably one of the things that I am going to do over the next couple of years is make sure that I continue to talk about that. It's not, not only on the federal level, but each of these states. We have states that are spending like there is no tomorrow. And again, uh, that's going to be a problem for our future. You spoke of wanting to help the state of Ohio, uh, which, of course, you've been trying to do, and, and, and you were, were going to try to do as governor as well. Um, let's talk about the GM situation and how that's going to impact Ohioans and Ohio workers. We all know GM announced three plants being shut down in the U.S. and Canada that produce uh, the Cruise, I think, the Chevy Impala and the Chevy Volt plug-in. And uh, obviously, this is devastating news to uh, cities like Lordstown. Um, the president has said he's going to cut subsidies to uh, GM for doing this. Remember, GM took $50 billion in a federal bailout, uh, and they respond now by you know shut- shuttering these plants and-, and laying all of these workers off, so the president is not happy. What's your reaction to the-, the GM decision, and what do you think we can do to help these workers who are about to lose their jobs in this state? Well, it's frustrating. It's something I was talking about even before the election. I mean, people that uh, even the individual I ran against could have done something about it for the last 25 years. Instead, politicians today want to talk about the tax cuts and jobs bill being the reason, you know, that we gave them extra money and now they're leaving. That's that's just uh, ridiculous. The uh, GM has tax loss carry forwards which means they don't pay income tax because of all the losses they've had in the past. So the tax cut and jobs bill did not benefit them. There's another, I think Sheriff Brown has talked about, well, we gave them this credit for moving overseas. That's garbage, too. This is a problem with politicians. They want to talk about political garbage instead of talking about the facts. The facts are that if General Motors would have went through a pure bankruptcy back in 2008 where you cleanse, look, I was in business for, 28 years, I was also one of the trustees on 11 or 12 bankruptcies. Businesses come out stronger when you go through a pure bankruptcy and cleanse them of all their problems. The problem is the General Motors was never cleansed. We did a federal bankruptcy, which just shuttered dealerships across the country, including 125 dealerships and 6,000 jobs in Ohio, and uh, we never cleansed them. We never got rid of the, the cars that were not going to be profitable which is what you do in a pure bankruptcy. And in the end, now they are going through the gyrations of trying to get profitable again, uh, which, uh, you know, seven, eight, ten years after getting this bailout money, they were able to use to continue to proceed forward. I agree with the president. I think we need to be able to get some of that money back. We need to hold General Motors accountable. But you're not going to force them to stay at Lordstown. They already made their decision. They're leaving. They're heading to Mexico. And, uh, by the way, they're not building a new plan in Mexico. They're just uh, going to increase capacity in Mexico. 
which I'm not saying is a bad move when you have a business, a building, and a and a plant down there. But in the end, shame on us for not going through a pure bankruptcy with General Motors. And this is the reason why we're in the situation we're in today. Congressman Jim Renacci joining us. Um, one final thing, again, going back to the fact that we're in a lame duck Congress and there is a spending bill that is due. It's got to be uh, completed by, what, December 7th or December 8th. Um, and there's a battle. The president has said these words. He is fully willing to uh, have a government shutdown happen if he doesn't get at least $5 billion, which is about one-fifth of the estimated cost uh, of funding a full border wall. Um, are we going to, are we facing that government shutdown? Do you think there's any chance that the president is going to get that? And, uh, and would it go through the Senate? Well, here's another thing, which will be interesting. Let's watch this unfold. I mean, today we were supposed to have a tax bill on the floor. It got pulled. So that will not be voted on today. And we have suspensions. We waste our time, uh, week after week. Uh, and you're probably hearing the frustration come from me on not getting things done. And yeah. now we're down to the last week on a spending bill. What will probably happen next week, and uh, we'll see if it's the case, is that uh, we'll kick this can down the road. We should put a spending bill all the way through the end of September. But if I had to gamble with you, I would tell you that we will kick a three-month CR out the door next week, uh, put it into March, and then we'll put it into the hands of the Democrats. And, look, CRs will become the thing of of, uh, the future again and debt ceilings because they'll have enough votes to just pass this all the time and there'll be nothing to stop them. So do I think we'll get the wall? This will probably be the the negotiations. They'll put enough money in for a CR to go three months, but that will never be enough money to pay for the wall. But that will be the compromise. The president probably will have to sign off on it to keep the government open, and he'll get what he wanted. He'll get a partial funding of the wall, but it'll never be enough because they'll say, well, in March, we'll fund the rest of it, and then the game will begin in March again. It now, seems like we prediction. could. It seems like we could just can this conversation and replay it back every few months because we, you and I, have had this very conversation many, many times. You know about uh, you know trying to avert the shutdown and trying who's going to give this, that, and the other, and about kicking the can down the road. And it has been. It it just has been for so long. I mean, and, and I got to tell you, I don't blame you for wanting to get out of Washington and out of the House for that reason, uh, because it is profoundly frustrating to know that we keep doing the same thing. And you know the old Einstein de- definition of insanity and expecting a different result, and and we don't get one. And we don't get one, and the people continue well, and, to suffer. And and the people suffer, and then they get mad at members of Congress, and they don't realize it's the process. The process is so broken down here that we need reforms in the process. And even the budget reforms, a lot of people haven't heard this yet. There was a budget reform group got together, five Democrats, five Republicans, House members, Senate members. They had to come up with a budget reform proposal yesterday, and it didn't pass. Another failure of trying to reform it. And in that budget reform proposal was my fiscal state of the nation. I thought for once we were going to get something done. It seemed like it was the only thing they agreed on. It failed. There's another group out there, keep your eyes on, there's another group out there supposed to be fixing the pensions, headed by Sherrod Brown and, uh, and a member of the Senate. Right. Uh, it was supposed to come up with a conclusion yesterday. They kicked the can down to next week. They're not coming up with a solution either. Everything happens down here for political reasons. And until people start to realize that and quit electing the same people, uh, which, you know, we continue to do. That's why I said after November 6th, don't blame me anymore. Start looking in the mirror and blame who got elected. Uh, because there were many, many people that decided 
we want to keep the same people down here. And they did, and we'll get yep. the same results. Yeah, and that's that's the sad uh, truth of the matter. Well, listen, Congressman Renacci, it's a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks for catching uh, catching up with us, and uh, we look forward doing it, to doing it a few more times before this Congress is over, and we appreciate that chance. I appreciate it as well. You have a great day and a great weekend. You do the same, sir. Thank you. It's 1023. We are free for all Friday the rest of the way. Get in line right now at 216-901-0945. Your call's next. station. All right, 1028, shorter segment here, but that's okay. We are guest-free the rest of the way. So it is a full and true free-for-all Friday between now and 11 o'clock. So dial 216-901-0945, and we will get you up and on the radio. Uh, let's go to Amy, who's been waiting ever so patiently out in Hudson for quite a bit now. Amy, thanks for your patience. You're on the air. Go right ahead. <laughs> Thank you. First of all, I do want to say that I feel so sorry for Mr. Renacci. He is so much smarter, so much more intelligent, that brown person, uh, Sherrod Brown. Completely. But I, have three, I have three points to make about the, um, the song that you played. I okay. never did listen to that very much, but uh, in my opinion, it is not a Christmas song. It could have been written about January, February, even about November, like this time of the year. And second point that, is... That is true. It's, it's generally considered to be a holiday classic because it, it isn't played in July. <laughs> it's played when it's cold outside. It's usually played around the holidays, and it's usually included in Christmas song rotations because there are a lot yeah. of other songs that you'd probably realize are about winter, not necessarily Christmas, but we kind of, you know, it's kind of like, a, uh, you know, well, I've got to think of the classics now, but, but there are a lot of songs that don't necessarily reference Christmas itself, but just uh, that are played in Christmas holiday classic rotations, and this is one of them. That's point number one. And number mm-hmm. two point is that it is not referring to rape. For goodness sakes, there's another word uh, related to that, and that's seduction. And uh, the song talks about the, um, the fact that the woman has had alcohol, and she's looking forward to another drink, and uh, she seems to be enjoying being uh, admired and wanted. And uh, it just shows sometimes the women are, well, willing partners. So maybe that's what's making people upset. But for heaven's sake, it's more about seduction than about rape. Amy, that word is lost, I think, on this generation. Um, That you're so right. Every word about that. Seduction is now considered um, an assault. You know, uh, I mean, you're, I got to get I got to get to my news here, but I'm just so glad you called because I'm going to talk more about this on the other side. It, that is exactly what this is: the timeless art of seduction. They're on a date. She's at his house. Okay, she says it's time to go. He said, "No, just stay a little while longer." Practically begging her, it's too cold out there. Stay here, hoping that she'll say, "Okay, maybe I'll stay for a little while longer." As by the way, she's intermittently saying how nice it is there and how wonderful he is and how much she's enjoyed it. It is. That is exactly what it is. I, Amy, brilliant. I hadn't thought of it in those terms, but that is exactly what it is. But today in 2018, seduction is akin to date rape sexual assault, sexual harassment. That's the sad truth of the matter. Amy, thank you so much for calling. We'll address that more on the other side with the rest of these fantastic phone calls coming up on AM 1420 The Answer. 
Indeed it does. That is exactly what we're talking about this morning, too, is political correctness run amok, run wild, particularly as it pertains to Christmas and the attacks on Christmas, and more specifically, the attacks on a particular song. Then again, it's not a Christmas song. It doesn't talk about Christ, so it's not like a religious Christian song. It doesn't talk about Santa or giving. It's not uh, that kind of secular Christmas. It's just more of a holiday classic, talking about baby, it's cold outside, and uh what what, I, what Amy had to say just a few minutes ago was so profound. She said, you know, there is something called seduction. People seem to have forgotten about that, doesn't it? What's going on in Baby It's Cold Outside is the art of seduction. He is trying to get her to stay. He is not forcing her. He is trying to talk her into spending more time with him. He is not grabbing her. He is t- trying to talk her uh, into, uh, you know, maybe even spending the night. But he is not locking her up. He is not dragging her by the hair to the bedroom. Uh, it's seduction. And she clearly is playing a part of the game. It's the, it's the, you know, the cat and mouse, you know, she's playing the hard to get. It's the, you know, no, I really have to go. And, uh, but boy, I really do like it here. She says that over and over again about how warm it is in here and about how grand the evening has been. It's over. It is. It's seduction. Amy is just spot on. But to listen to the American idiot, uh, liberal, uh, uh leftist, uh, uh, tell the story, it's rape. The radio station in Cleveland that has banned that song because of its connotations to uh, date rape, um, they, they talked to Sandra Miller, the CEO of the Cleveland Rape Crisis Center, who said that I think it's taking a 2018 lens on a song that was written a very long time ago, adding that the move reflects evolving values. Values have not evolved since 1940. It ha- they have devolved. Take a look at the culture. Click on the Internet and look at the abundance and availability of pornography. Look on television at the vile language and and messages and situations shared. Tell me that values have gotten worse, or excuse me, that have gotten better, rather, since 1940 and that this is the more enlightened period. Please. But that's the worst. The worst part about this is, what what uh, Sandra Miller, the uh, CEO of the Cleveland Rape Crisis Center, says. Quote, <clears throat> well, well, this is actually what she said. This is from Fox 8. While some might view the song and its lyrics as playful, a playful coy back and forth from another time, which is exactly what it is. Miller says it might have a different connotation uh, to a rape survivor. Wow. Quote, it really pushed the line of consent. The character in the song is saying no, and they're saying, well, does no really mean yes? And I think in 2018 that we know is consent is yes. And if you get a no, it means no, and you should stop right there. Stop this. Stop this insanity. At no point in that song does he say, I know you really mean yes. No, he doesn't say that at all. He doesn't say no means yes. He says, you said no, but I'm going to try to convince you to change your mind and say yes. I hope you will. It's really cold out there. It's warm in here. Why don't you stay here? And then she says the money line, that this song is an example of the rape culture in which we live, and that the first step to preventing sexual violence is to change that. This song promotes rape in the mind of the president of the Cleveland Rape Crisis Center, 
and in the minds of the people at this particular radio station playing all Christmas music right now that has refused to play this song. By the way, I should also point this out, and I, and I shared this uh, with them on Twitter and on Facebook, this radio station. Fox 8 Cleveland, which did this story about the radio station not playing that song any longer, conducted their own poll asking, should um, the radio station ban this song? Do you think, quote, baby, it's cold outside, end quote, should be banned? And right now the choices are yes, no, and I'm indifferent. Yes gets 4.69% of the vote. No gets 91.7% of the vote. That's on Fox 8's own poll. And yet this radio station is going to tell us their listeners demanded by way of a poll that we not play that song anymore. I call bull. I call bull. I call a whole lot of political correctness nonsense. Hashtag me too. This particular station has a preponderance of female listeners is what I believe in, I guess. And this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to reach out and kind of like a politician trying to rally the base. They're reaching out to their, uh, to the female base of listeners that I think they cater to at this particular radio station. And that's what they're doing. 91% say no. Of course, the song should not be banned. You want to know why? Because 91% of the people are reasonable. And a couple are not. Uh, let's go to Lisa in Medina. Lisa Wood from McFan, Medina County Friends and Neighbors, and from the Ohio State Board of Education. Hi, Lisa. Hey, good morning. Good morning. What's on your mind show. today? Oh, gosh. Well, all the different things you talked about, and, and uh, I really liked what Amy had to say. Um, hear these songs or poems or stories or movies, you know, that go into, the into you know, seduction. Wow, um, what a what a normal and kind of healthy part of our our lives and being. And I'm just so sorry that people are just constantly picking everything apart. Yeah, yeah that's exactly I, what it is, and it's 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 just stripping the joy away from that which is joyful. And that's what the PPO, the Party of Perpetual Outrage, does. These people look at things that bring a lot of joy to other people and say, "How can we ruin it?" And that's what they do. Yep, yep. So I was really. Um, I'm so sorry to hear that that's even going on. Apparently, I have a dog that wants to go outside. I, uh, oh, I thought you had a dog that wanted to chime in on the on the art of seduction in the neighborhood. Well, I'll just tell you quickly. I wanted to remind folks, you know, that we've got a uh, McFan meeting, and it'll be the last one for the year. And this time of year, we we kind of chime out and only have one meeting in November and one meeting in December. And so I wanted folks to know that December 8th will be our meeting and kind of Christmas party and a celebration of all the winning and winning. Um, I'm not tired yet, but, you know, um, our president talks about maybe uh, getting to the point we, where we might get tired. But we have Peter Kersenauer coming on December 8th, and I wanted to say that because I know it's been a few weeks and people might be wondering, well, when's the next meeting? So I wanted to get on today and let folks know. Well, you know what? First of all, congratulations on getting the best speaker you could get because uh, it just doesn't get any better than that. I mean, seriously, he's the best in the business. I love Pete, and that's a that's a great thing. Secondly, how cool is that that it's on December 8th, and the meeting is in the morning, obviously. But if people want to go to the McFan meeting out there uh, in Valley City, which is right near Medina, obviously, uh, you know what? Just uh, go out there and then maybe go to lunch somewhere and stick around for the Christmas in America show that's going to be at the Medina uh, Cornerstone Ch- Cornerstone Chapel. Yeah, that's because oh I was just gosh. talking about that. That works out perfectly. And I'm so 
so excited for that show because I went last year. I took my kids and a neighbor, and we had such a good time. And, you know, this is um, 82, which is really going to be fun. Um, did you mention DeLorean? 81, 81, yeah. right. Well, I graduated in 82, so I remember those years really well, and um, uh, looking forward to it. I am too. And just um, for those who missed that interview, yeah, yeah. For those who missed that interview in the first hour of the program, um, uh, the the Public Square Radio Broadcast Network is going to be doing their live shows. There's one at two thirty, and then there's another at six thirty out in Medina at the uh, Cornerstone Chapel. And so it just works out perfectly. So if you want to go out to the Medina County friends and neighbors and go to the meeting in the morning, and then uh, maybe like I said, go to a lunch, take a long lunch, and then go to the first show at two thirty. You can just make a day of it out there. It's gonna be a great way to right, do it. So. Right. Uh, remind everybody of the time, remind everybody of the exact time, uh, uh, Lisa, and location. It's, yes, it's at eight thirty on Saturday the eighth. It's at the Copper Shop Restaurant. I've got it posted on Facebook. Um, if folks want to uh, look that up, and if not, they can always call me. Um, you know, I'm easy to find. I'm out there everywhere. Perfect. Well, Lisa, I'm glad you I'm glad you called. I'm glad you got a great meeting, a last meeting of the year with Peter Kersenow. And again, that's December 8th. We'll remind everybody again next week. But going out there yeah, well, uh, and enjoy some camaraderie and some uh, political discussion with uh, with uh, like minded people at Medina County Friends and Neighbors. Right. Thank you so much. It'll be a wonderful celebration. We'll have some goodies and so forth as well. So please come out and join us. And, Sounds like a great uh, time. Celebration of Christ and winning and our neighbors and friends. It's awesome. Love it. Love it. Lisa, thank you so much. God bless. Appreciate you, and uh, thank you so much for the phone call. Let's go next to BJ, waiting in North Olmstead. Hi, BJ. Good to have you back, sir. How are you? Thank you. Uh, I'm fine, and I hope you are doing well, too. I would hope that 2019 might be a year, and I hope Lisa and her group down there maybe brings it up and does a survey. I think one of the things that will be the salvation of a new and stronger America would be term limits. I think we really have to push for that. I hope you consider it and think about it and, and maybe bring it up. At, you you meet so many people, maybe bring it up to find out what percentage they, uh, if they think 90% of uh, maybe it's cold outside is a good thing to have on, 90% <laughs> might think, maybe 90% might think that uh, term limits would be good. I think that's the only hope. We need fresh blood coming in, younger blood, new blood, new ideas in politics at all levels, local, uh, federal, county, city. And I really hope for the young people this does happen. I would like to see some fresh blood coming into the thoughtfulness of politics. And uh, maybe, God willing, there might be some changes. I wish all your listeners a wonderful Christmas and holiday. And and thank you for giving me the time, and I appreciate it, Bob. You got, you got it, BJ. Thanks, thank you so much, and thanks for the phone call. You do the same. I, uh, boy, i got to tell you, I, I, I'm of two minds on that. I have thought about it many times, and I have agreed there should be term limits. If the president can be term limited, then so should Congress, so should be the senators, so should the senators, and so on and so forth. Um, but I worry about too much new blood coming in, quite frankly, because of the mindset of the new generation, the new blood coming out of American colleges coming out of American youth into young adulthood and into positions of leadership. I don't want a Congress full of Beta O'Rourke's and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's. I don't want a whole a Congress of those. And if we have term limits, 
somebody like Jim Jordan is going to be forced out, and somebody like Alexandria Cortez, Ocasio Cortez, is going to be put in his, his place, and it scares the bejesus out of me. If you look at the new, there's something to be worried about in this new Congress. To be 100% honest with you, there's something to be worried about aside from just the Nancy Pelosi majority. It's not just that the Dems have the majority. It's about the kinds of people that are being elected at, uh, uh, to these uh, seats as Democrats. These blue seats aren't just traditional blue. They're becoming more and more radical socialist. And i got to tell you, the more we turn those seats over, the more chances we are to lose to socialists. And I just hope we don't, of course. But uh, it scares me to lose the likes of Jordan and Meadows and others who are fighting so hard for the constitutional principles upon which this country was founded. To have them replaced by uh, socialist lovers like uh, O'Rourke and Cortez and others, it's it's just frightening. It really, really is. Now, having said that, I will agree with you. I, I have called for term limits. I have, and I, and I think that's probably still the right thing to call for. I don't think it's coming anytime soon. Most of the time, a congressional body is not going to vote to limit its own power and its own employment. They're going, they're not, you know, that's what, ha- that's what would have to happen. <clears throat> Unless we have, uh, you know, an Article 5 convention of the states and do it by states. Um, we're asking the congressional body, the federal government, to essentially fire itself after a period of time, and I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But I do appreciate the point you're making, and I do agree with it to a large extent. But it does concern me as well when you look at some of those who are winning these spots. TJ is in Cleveland next. Hi, TJ. You're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, Bob, this call on seduction was pretty interesting. You know, if you look at the male peacock, he struts around with bright feathers, you know what, to seduce a female. What is, male lion. what is this? What is this? Nature Channel? What are we doing here? Well, well no, I'm just saying. <laughs> I know. Uh, I'm making the, fun. You know, the male lion puffs his mane up to do the same. He, my God, even the alligator, male alligator, gurgles out a love song to seduce a female. <laughs> it's just a matter of time before some libtard wants us to shut our zoos down because the animal behavior might be construed as like pointing towards date rape. But, you know, the reason I call, Bob, they want to be outraged. Here's what I'm outraged about. In today's plane dealer sports section, okay, the sports yeah. section, yeah. Uh, this Steve Moore that does uh, a cartoon, supposed to be a sports cartoon, right. they've got Olympic swimmers lined up, you know, at an Olympic pool right. uh, from Italy, the United States, and one of them is from Nazareth, and they show a pot-bellied Jesus ready to walk on water across the pool. Now, they would never do this with a, uh, a description of Mohammed or Moses. Where do these people come off to make fun of the Son of God Portraying them as a pot-bellied swimmer. These people are disgusting, and I hope they go to hell. TJ, I feel your uh, frustration with that, my friend, and I am, too, uh, disgusted by and offended by a lot of the political editorial cartoons that are out there, uh, particularly the one that I brought up on the air Wednesday, I think, the one that had President Trump's face as the Statue of Liberty. And instead of holding the torch, he was holding a tear gas canister, and he was saying, "Bring me your, uh, your tired, your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe tear gas." Um, it frustrates me. It angers me. It disgusts me. But it must be allowed to exist. That's the nature of the difference between conservatives and liberals. Conservatives want free speech protected even if it's vile. Liberals want free speech censored if it just simply offends them. 
Forget about vile, forget about violent, forget about any of those kinds of things. If they feel like that hurts my feelings, you use the wrong pronoun to describe that guy, girl, thing, person. Oh my gosh, you must be censored. That's the difference between them and us. And as vile as that picture you just described in the Cleveland uh, Plain Dealer Sports page might be, uh, it's got to have a right to exist there. That's what makes us different. 1051, final segment of the broadcast coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Final segment of the broadcast this morning. Thanks so much for joining us on this Free For All Friday. we got a lot more people to talk to here. Let's uh, get as many calls in as we can before we are done. Wadsworth is our next destination. That's Kathy. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Kathy. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. I have two points to make about the song, The Baby It's Cold Outside. First of all is the left ruins everything it touches. Everything. I mean, you've got a cute song, um, and, and they just want to destroy it. And then secondly... I think the protestation is a sign that we are an extremely spoiled, decadent culture. Because if people had real problems, they wouldn't be worrying about these made-up problems. Um, you know, if they were living in Afghanistan or Iraq or Venezuela and had real problems, this wouldn't even be registered anywhere. So um, my dad used to always say that he... He thought that um, we needed another Great Depression or something for people to um, appreciate and not be so spoiled, and um, I tend to agree with that. Isn't that what they always say? You really never appreciate what you have until you no longer have it? That is, uh, yep. that is, that is exactly right, and I think you're right. When things are going so well in this country that you have the time to complain about a holiday song uh, and what its meaning is and so on and so forth, you're right. Then you're living, uh, you're living life in a very, very uh, special way. Kathy, thanks so much for the phone call. I appreciate it. God bless. Let's go to Mark calling from Canton on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, Mark, how are you? Hi, Bob. Very good. Thanks. Uh, first time caller. No, I think your problem here is you're just simply not woke enough. I think we can take this farther. <laughs> for instance, uh, uh, white Christmas, I think, is a veiled call for white nationalism, and we have to come to realize this at this point. I think you're right. That's that's very clear. Yeah. Well, uh, wait, if, I mean, if, if I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, it's because yeah. I want to be surrounded by only white people. Yeah, yeah. That argument has actually been made kind of in jest by some. But but <laughs> if you if you look in the right circles, which means the liberal circles, you will find some who take it seriously. No doubt about it. Well, well if you could permit me a serious comment, I'm actually a professor sure. of music, and this brings up uh, two thoughts for me. Uh, okay. The first is that uh, we teach things like musicality and phrasing to our students. And if you listen to the original recording of the song, it is clear that there is uh, coyness and interplay and seduction, and that both parties, the way the song is sung, not only the way it's written, but the way it's sung, it's very obvious what's happening in the song. And I think part of this is, is due to sort of the, the cultural deadening that we receive from the left. People are very culturally ignorant. And second of all, it makes me wonder so the hypocrisy of the situation, simply because are these same people protesting songs that are on mainstream radio? Uh, that literally objectify women, that literally uh, uh, destroy uh, the male-female relationship uh, or drag it through the mud. My impression is not only do they not protest these songs, uh, they invite some of these performers to perform at their conventions. 
That is such a very, very profound statement. You're 100% right. I would like to ask these people, uh, you know, at this other radio station and, the, you know, the rape crisis prevention president and so on and so forth, when is the last time you made a statement about some of the music in modern day, you know, uh, uh, you know that, is, that is on the top 40 stations or on the trap stations uh, that not just objectify women but call for the sexual assault of women, for crying out loud, talking about the things that they do with Bs and Hs, and I won't uh, say the words, but, but yeah, there, there are so many things that really do that are very dangerous to women because of the way they treat them, and they're going to pick on this 1940s holiday classic. Unbelievable. Mark, I'm glad you called as a first-time caller. I hope you'll call back again soon. Great. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you as well. That's Mark in Canton. Really, really great point. Uh, Donnie in Euclid always makes great points as well. Hey, Donnie, what's going on, buddy? Good morning, Bob. I wish Good morning, I could sir. Go to that. I wish I could go to the symposium to see Pete Kirstenau. But I'm kind of like uh, Uncle Joe from Petticoat Junction. I'm moving kind of slowly. I gotta. I, <laughs> You're dating I yourself gotta, with a Petticoat Junction reference. <laughs> what can I tell you? I'm proud. I'm proud of the old days. I got a. I got a question. Uh, I, I wanted to do it a little longer, but I just. I just asked this in the form of a question. You can take it rhetorically or literally and see what you think. What do these? What do these crap for brains left wingers think? about Marilyn Monroe seducing Santa and Santa Baby. Now that is a re- another really good question, Donnie. Thanks for the call. I have thought about that before. Thank you. I have thought about that before. Maybe that's something we can talk about next week because we're out of time now. Mike Gallagher is next. We'll see you Monday. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.